This podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. Regionalisation has returned to harness racing as the controlling body does its best to keep the sport going throughout New South Wales. Harness Racing New South Wales regrets the impact this will have on individuals but regards it as a necessary step in trying to safeguard the livelihoods of participants. Harness racing will continue under the current biosecurity protocols with New South Wales split into the four regions embracing the Breeders' Challenge initiative, Metro, Northern, Western and Southern. The transport of horses across regions will require the approval of Harness Racing New South Wales stewards and the submission of a transport application form. It will be a momentous occasion when the all clear is finally given for the fans to return to their local tracks for good times all round. Sheer love of the standard bred horse is the principal catalyst for many young trainers to keep going in a very tough environment. All over Australia, young horsemen and horsewomen, sometimes third or fourth generation trotting people, are struggling to make a go of it with small teams of horses. Representative of this demographic is 36-year-old Dean Sonovskis, who fell in love with harness horses as a youngster as he sat on the fence at Lackey Park in Moss Vale watching paces and trotters being worked by local trainers. It was only a matter of time before he drifted into the game. He's been involved for close to 20 years now, experiencing some wonderful highs and some devastating lows, as most trainers do. The one thing that hasn't changed in two decades is his admiration for the speed, the toughness and the fascinating rhythm of the harness horse. The unwavering support of his wife, Ricky, and his own floor sanding business has enabled Dean to keep a small team in work. He trains them well, he conditions them well, and as a race driver, he usually has them in the right spot at the right time. I was watching the Menangle Trots on a Saturday night recently, and I couldn't help but notice that Dean had two runners, Stormy Raider and Scoob Operator. They both won... They both came from back in the field with strong, well-timed runs. And both horses have won again since. I've got the man himself on the line, and it's great to catch up with Dean Sonovskis. Thanks for joining us, Dean. No worries, John. Thanks for the call, mate. It's always good talking to you. Thank you, mate. I think that was your first Metropolitan Double. Yeah, in Sydney it was, yeah. I've had a couple up here in Brisbane over the years, but, um, yeah, if you, it's pretty tough going down there, and... Uh, yeah, if you get one winner, you're pretty happy. But that night, just everything fell into place for both horses. And, yeah, mm. we will be able, able to capitalise on it. It was great. Now, the same two horses raced at Albion Park on Saturday night. But they had to do it without you, and we'll explain that later. But a great result. Scoob Operator ran fourth, had no luck at all. And the other bloke, Stormy Raider, was super impressive in winning the last race. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, yeah, we had pretty ordinary draws, and the first week up here, you don't really expect too much of them. You're just more getting them over the trip. And, um, yeah, my good mate Scotty Hewitt took the reins and drove them both great. And, um, yeah, like I say, Scoob was fairly unlucky and <clears throat> very happy with the way he hit the line, and he's not far off winning one up here, I'd say. And mm. um, Stormy Raider, yeah, he just sort of keeps getting better and better every week, that little fella. And, 
Um, first time we had to drive him a little bit tough last night. I just I said to the owner that we wouldn't mind trying it because I think he could handle it. And mm. um, yeah, for him to do that at his first go after the big trip this week, yeah, I was very impressed. Now, because you were at Menangle last Saturday week, and in view of the Crossroads Hotel outbreak, Racing Queensland insisted you were not to cross the border for 14 days after that Saturday night last Saturday week at Menangle. Now, that time was up on Saturday night at midnight, too late for you to drive those horses yourself. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, it sort of it was a little bit frustrating, but the times that we're in these days, like, we've just got to be grateful that we're still going and still earning money. And, um, yeah, they just... I was down to drive the horses, but they just contacted me during the week to said it's probably best if you just uh, give it a miss Saturday night just to be on the safe side. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, in more than capable hands with Scotty. He took him down there, and there's always a big crew of us going from where we stable up here. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no dramas. I was happy sitting back watching them, and, yeah, it was good. Now, let's find out where you do stable when you take horses to Queensland every year. You're nudging the border, but you're not quite there. Yeah, exactly. We've um, first couple of years, or Chris Frisbee and Dennis Picker, real good mates of mine. They've been coming up for a fair few years, and they're at the old Border Park track where they used to race many years ago. And mm. um, I, for the first two years, I was there, and it was awesome, just great weather and good people. And um, it got closed down and sold off, and uh, we stumbled across the Tweed Heads Pony Club, which it's actually right on the edge of the runway at the Gold Coast Airport. Yeah. And um, Chris, uh, no, uh, we got in contact with the lady that runs the show, and she's actually uh, her father used to work with Chris in Bathurst, and got talking and whatnot, yeah. and um, she, we come to an agreement. She said we could come up here, and um, just before we come up that year, Chris loaded up all his tractor and machinery from down Bathurst, and we yeah. come up for four or five days, and we dug in a little track and built a few makeshift yards. There's a couple of stables here, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a home away from home now, and yeah, we we sort of all live for it every year to get out of the cold and get up here and have a great time. Mm, so, where do you work them, Dean? Yeah, we've got a little um, track here. It's about four hundred metres around. Jog track, yeah. yeah oh, you can bowl uh, them around too, can yeah, you? Yeah, no, we can go solid. Yeah, we've camber. It's got unreal mm. camber on it. Yeah, um, we can sort of canter pretty solid side by side, and it's very safe. Mm. Um, but then we're only sort of twenty minutes from Woo Young Beach down near Pottsville, where Vic Frost and Gale, oh, uh, yeah. Gleason. They sort of go down there a bit, so if you ever want to get one down there and freshen him up or something different, we'll, we'll duck down there. Now, you've been sneaking away to Queensland for about six years to escape the winter chill of the Goulburn Canberra region. You've had plenty of luck too, haven't you? Yeah, we've had a great run here. Um, yeah, the first couple of years I sort of was fairly serious trying to concentrate on the horses, and I think the first trip up here we had eight or nine horses and we had won about 20-odd races that year. We had a great run and mm. I was, the bug was well and truly bitten me and that was it. And, uh, yeah, we try to get up here every year. We don't bring as many horses this year. I've got a young family and mm. I like to have a bit of fun with them. They're, they're growing up and they enjoy it up here too. And mm. uh, We sort of just try and bring up a few enough horses up here with a bit of quality that they're going to sort of pay for the holiday more or less. Mm. Well, you've taken a team of four this year. We've mentioned two of them already. Scoob Operator and Stormy Raider. Now, the other two are Game Set Major, one of the biggest standard breads in Australia, and another one called Four Stars Forcer. He comes from WA. I think you, one of your owners claimed him from Western Australia. Is that right? 
Uh, yeah, he was for sale, actually. Was he? Um, yeah, he found him on the WA trading ring, and mm. uh, a while back there, I said to him to uh, keep his eye out. They, they race very hard, and they buy a lot of quality horses for over there, and mm. I said, just by the odd chance, you might find that horse that might be a bit better suited to a bigger track like Menangle. Mm. Um, and then within a week, he rang up and told me about this horse, and he sort of, he's rated a band three up here, and um, because they don't use our system down there, he's actually a, a 40 rater, which is fairly low, mm. and um, he wasn't that expensive, and he's a tough old fellow, and I thought, well, I don't know whether he'd get to his proper grade again, but I'm pretty sure he, so if he sort of does what he has to and comes down here and uh, enjoys what we do, we should be able to win a few races and have a bit of fun with him, hopefully. Mm. All right. Well, our punting friends will put his name down, Four yeah. Stars Forcer. Now, game set major, Dean, has deprived you of a lot of sleep. You've loved him since the night he was foaled, when one of his forelegs was in the wrong position and he could easily have died. He was a giant foal, a giant yearling, and he's a giant four-year-old today. He's won four from 11, but he's very, very talented. Sadly, he's got a problem that you're battling with. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, he's been a bit of a headache from day one, but he's a lovely big horse. Um, yeah, like that. There was touch and go that day. We nearly lost his mother and him, but the, we had some really good vets on hand, and they got him through. And um, yeah, long story short, we've got him up and going. And he actually came up here last year with me just as a very green three-year-old, just to try and educate him. It's uh, got some pretty good horsemen around me up here, and it's always good to bring a green horse like that. They can sort of give you a few pointers and. Um, I think I bought him up here last year. I think he was in a 60-inch hobble when I got him here. And within the uh, first time of hobbling, Chris Frisbee walked up and said, you want to let that bloody horse out 10 holes? And he's out to about a 67 <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was joking with me, but he was fair dinkum. Mm. And, yeah, we got him going. And, um, yeah, he had a couple of starts here and looked very impressive. I had one start here and very impressive. And mm. we shot him down to Warren. He won a heat of the regional race. And, just got beat in the final, but he's always been a bit of a funny breathing sort of horse. And I mm. uh, had him looked at once or twice, and they said just to see how he goes. But this prep coming back in will get set in for that million dollar race and uh, a lot of expectation on. I put on myself probably, and um, mm. just never happy with him, John. He was always something not right there. He, he was still racing pretty good. He won a race and was thereabouts in good time. Mm. But I just felt like there was a gear missing, and um, we I was going to just put him in the paddock for six months and forget about him, but it got the better of me, so I brought him back in after about three, four weeks. Mm. And um, another good vet of mine, John Crowley, had to listen to him there one morning. He said, yeah, something's not right. And mm. I was, It's not a, a real bad thing, but it's, it's um, they think it's like a soft, uh, a loose, soft palate. Mm. And um, there's a few things we can do with him, but um, I've added a head check and a, uh, like a choker plate to put underneath his throat so he can't curl his head down too much and, Mm. It's definitely helped him. I still don't think he's 100%, but yeah, he, was, he raced good at Wagga the other day and won pretty good and ran mm. good time. And we'll just poke along with him up here in Queensland for a bit and then we might get him looked at again and see if we can do something surgically. Game set major is named because he's out of a mare called Daniela Hanchakova, with whom you won 11 races. She was a pretty tidy mare too, but she was named after uh, that Slovak tennis player who was once rated number five in the world. Yep, that's right, John. Yeah, we uh, we just bought her from New Zealand off Jay Abernathy. I wanted a Christian Cullen mare, and yeah, she's come over with a name, and yeah, she was a lovely mare to race, and she's bred on very well now, and mm. um, 
Ricky, myself, we, she sort of likes doing the naming sort of things and just sort of stuck with the tennis sort of thing. And, um, yeah, he's got a little sister called Match Point Serena. So mm. I'm, t- I'm tipping if the ones we keep, they'll have something to do with it. Yeah. Now, we've got to clear up another little thing that keeps popping up. Many people in harness racing have been curious about your surname. What are its origins? Uh, yeah, it's Latvian, John. Latvian. Um, I'm not real sure. I'm not that good on geography, so I couldn't really tell you exactly where it is, but it's over there somewhere. And um, it's right, I think it's right on the Baltic Sea. Is it? Well, there you go. Mm. Learn something. There you go. Um, but, yeah, my father's uh, father and family, they um, migrated over here when the war was on. They were in a pretty bad sort of way, and mm. they were one of the lucky ones to escape, and they, they come out here. And my father was born in Australia, but, uh, yeah, so Latvian. I am, yeah. Let's go back to those early years in Moss Vale, Dean, and that little track known as Lackey Park, provided by the Windsor Caribbean Shire. Now, you tell me, and I find this hard to believe, that up to a 100 horses were worked on that little track in the 1980s and 90s. Yeah, that's correct, John. The whole little sort of area there, and then nearly every place had a bit like Bankstown was back in the day, I suppose. Everyone had a little stable in their backyard or there's a couple of bigger stables. And um, when I first started, I was only sort of 12, 11 or 12. And, mm. um, yeah, there was still plenty getting along there back in them days when I was around, a lot of mm. good trainers and uh, a few people to learn a few things off and whatnot. But um, sadly, now there's no one there now, which is mm. pretty common with our industry, unfortunately. But, yeah, it was yeah, it was like walking into a candy shop for me when I was a kid. I, I mm. loved it. Lackey Park's best-known trainer was probably the late Merv Thurston, who became your tutor. How did yep. it start for you? Yeah, well, um, I've sort of my family's not horse-orientated at all, and mm. ever since I've been, was could remember, I've just had an obsession with them, and um, used to. I was, my family's sort of rugby league sort of family, so I was mm. fairly serious with my rugby league in my junior years, and. Um, Saturday morning before I'd go to football, I used to ride my push bike down to Lackey Park and um, just sit there and watch the horses. Mm. And um, uh, Damien Baxter, we've, I've known him through family and whatnot, and one morning he just come down and he says, oh, won't you come down and uh, we'll teach you a bit. And uh, that started off that and went down there. And I was, as much as I loved him, I was fairly uh, nervous with the horses and not very confident at all as I hadn't handled them at all. And mm. old Merv... God love him, he was a great old man, but he, he was on his day, he, he sort of fairly cranky old bugger, so the, the fear of the horses soon escaped me. I was more scared of him, so I got rid of the fear of the horses pretty quick. <laughs> Did you really? But Merv was the first one to put you in a gig. Yep, that's for sure. Merv and Damien, um, mm. he used to have a little jog track up at Damien's place, which was up over the hill, so I wasn't. I was too young to go on the main track because you had to have a licence. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I helped Merv before school, in the morning, just gearing them up and washing them and whatnot when I was younger. And then mm. after school, if I wasn't at football training, I'd duck up to Damien's and, um, yeah, he put me in the gig and just jog around with him a bit and, mm. um, yeah, sort of all snowballed from there. Mm. Well, just to illustrate how besotted you became with the sport of harness racing, a form paper called Trot Guide was the Bible to trotting fans from the 1940s right through to its recent transfer to an online service. It came out every Thursday and young Dean Sonovskis would be waiting outside the newsagent's door to get your copy of Trot Guide. That's for sure, John. I used to 
Mum used to go crook on me all the time because I was always running late coming back from the stables. And even if I was running late, I still had to make a stop in at the news agents to get the truck guide for Thursday morning because it was the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And um, that would do me for the week. I'd take it in there and every chance I got, I'd be studying the form and the horses and the breeding. And, yeah, by the next Thursday, it was in a bit of a rough state in my school bag, but yeah. it was um, straight there and get the next week's one and go again. There is a distant racing connection in your background. Your maternal grandmother, Helen Burke, was a sister to the father of Peter Snowden, the champion Randwick trainer. Yeah, that's correct, John, yeah. Um, same again when I was younger. I think the first time I met him was a family funeral when I was only really little and mm. um, Peter was there and another uh, good bush jockey called Jeffrey Snowden. Mm. And um, I remember talking their ears off when I was only a real young fella and telling them how much I love the horses. And I was standing next to Jeffrey saying, I'd love to be a jockey one day, but I had about – three inches on him then and probably about 20 kilos when I was about eight or nine. So I thought, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I haven't really had a lot to do. Although Jeffrey, I'll talk to him a fair bit. Peter's, we have a family funeral. He's always really good with his time. He'll come down to that. But he's very busy, mm. obviously, so he gets going pretty quick. But, yeah, um, yeah I've always had a, sat down and a good yarn with Jeffrey. And, yes, yeah, so I've got a bit of blood there somewhere. Dean, just stand by there for a moment whilst we clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Dean Sonovskis after this. Regionalisation has returned to harness racing as the controlling body does its best to keep the sport going throughout New South Wales. Harness Racing New South Wales regrets the impact this will have on individuals but regards it as a necessary step in trying to safeguard the livelihoods of participants. Harness racing will continue under the current biosecurity protocols with New South Wales split into the four regions embracing the Breeders' Challenge initiative, Metro, Northern, Western and Southern. The transport of horses across regions will require the approval of Harness Racing New South Wales stewards and the submission of a transport application form. It will be a momentous occasion when the all-clear is finally given for the fans to return to their local tracks for good times all round. Let's fast forward to 2001. Your first winning drive was a pickup from trainer Lindsay Woodward. You won on the horse at Canberra and then you won a heat of the Junee Cup. You were all pumped up for the final, but tragedy struck. Yeah, that's right, John. Um... Like I said, I was that keen back in them days and um, I was doing a little bit of work with Glenn Frost and getting to Canberra a bit and um, uh, they were looking for a junior driver for an old horse called Out for Fun there one night. And, out for uh, Fun. A good friend of mine now, um, Lindsay Woodward. Yeah. He um, needed a junior and the, the secretary there suggested that I was working with Glenn to give me a go and he rang me up and, um, yeah, we went to Journey for the heat and he won that. That was still can't describe the feeling, like the buzz mm. and – the adrenaline running through when you realise you're going to win. Yeah. And then the next week we shot down there for the final and massive bloody storm hit. Washed And then we got there and washed her out. So we had to come home and he was actually mm. into race the next uh, two days later and he won at, the, at Canberra. So I got two winners in a row on him. Mm. And then we went back the next week for the final and had no joy. But, yeah, there's something everyone remembers their first winner. Yeah, you, you can't really describe the, the buzz and the feeling that you get. Now, what and was yeah, his name, Dean? Out for Fun, was it? Out for Fun, yeah. Just right. a lovely old horse. I think he only won them last couple. He won a few races, but mm. they were his last few that I won. And, yeah, I, I thought 
how long has this been going? I said, unbelievable. (laughs) The aspiration of every young trainer back then was to win a race at Harold Park. And you did that in 2003 with a horse called Bucolics, but you didn't have your Harold Park driver's licence at the time, so it was only half a thrill. Who was the lucky driver? Uh, Michael Towers got the drive that night, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I fairly sought after the junior drivers that day and, yeah, I got ended up with him and, um, yes, Canberra was racing that night. So I went down by myself, um, went down there and um, I thought he was a good each-way chance. He was always a good little trying little fella. And mm. I remember sitting in the grandstand by myself and he's peeled across their heels halfway down the street. I thought, oh, you beauty, we're going to run a place here. And mm. I heard Kevin Thompson get a bit excited and called him and, yeah, I stood up and I got a bit pumped up sitting there by myself and then I realised that I was the only one standing there doing it. And, <laughs> and anyhow, I wouldn't have swapped it. It was a great buzz. Yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. Well, your first Harold Park win as a driver was behind your old favourite, Brindabella Ben. You loved him. You won nine races and 17 placings with Brindabella Ben. Yep, that's correct, John. Yeah, he was my favourite. Um, yeah, I remember getting my uncle purchased him. I drove him for his first couple of starts and, I talked my uncle in. He used to have greyhounds, and they come across and had a little horse. We're racing, and I drove this horse one day, and he said, "Oh, I wouldn't mind buying him." And I didn't think he was for real. And anyway, one thing led to another. We ended up purchasing him, and yeah, I, I was very green and didn't know what I was doing. I'd love to have him again these days, but he was like a superstar to me. Like he was, he was just a lovely horse. He was no nothing out of the box, but mm. just to get a quality horse like that and. To go, he had a lot of leg troubles with knees and whatnot. So, yeah, I probably would do a bit better job with him these days. But, yeah, he, he was my pride and joy. And we didn't get to sort of see the best of him. He didn't have a lot of starts. And, yeah, we never really got to see what he could do. Mm-hmm. Dean, I imagine plenty of people will be surprised when I say that it is almost 10 years since Harold Park was swept away by the developers, 2010. Now, the younger generation of Harness kids won't comprehend the history, the atmosphere or the energy of that place. Very hard place to get to, but once you were there, it was a night out, uh, the old ribbon of light. It was a landmark in Sydney. Oh, for sure, John. It'll never be replaced in my eye. Um, I suppose we had to do what we had to do. Um, But back when I was with Murph Thurston, he had a good old horse. Kybe and Striker used to race there pretty regularly and was a good horse and um, they used to let me warm him up a few times and yeah to, I'd, to describe the feeling of getting geared up to go out just to warm that horse up and coming out underneath that tunnel for the first time and looking up and seeing the grandstand and yeah I, I knew this is what I want to do it was, mm. it was just unbelievable yeah I've never you still get a big kick out of winning races and whatnot but the feelings you get back in them days with that sort of stuff it's, uh, it's very hard to replace. Now, a special tribute to your devoted wife and the mother of your two children. Now, you first spotted Ricky O'Sullivan at the Canberra Trots. You were instantly besotted, of course, and you pursued relentlessly. <laughs> but she shunned your advances. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nah, she's um, still to this day, she's still two steps ahead of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, as soon as I saw her, yeah, I, you could say I fell in love with her, and um, yeah, I tried pretty hard there for a while, and mm-hmm. we got on pretty good from the start, but yeah, it took me a while to actually get her. But mm. um, yeah, I think we worked out the other day, we, we've been together half our lives now, so yeah, 
um, yeah, she's great. We've had two beautiful kids, and um, yeah, she's she's the rock. She she's sort of very good with everything. She's every bit as good as the horses with what I am, but she's had to take a back seat raising the kids, unfortunately. But mm. she loves to get in with the yearlings, and she breaks them in and prepares them for the sales. And um, yeah, no, I don't know what I'd do without her. She she's mm. pretty good. Ricky is the daughter of John O'Sullivan, a former trainer and driver himself. And uh, you and John are great mates, and I know you've drawn on his wise counsel quite often. That's for sure, yeah. Johnny was a good trainer and driver in his day. He never really had the high-quality horses to train when he was going, but he always seemed to get the best out of them other horses. He had a few pretty good horses over the years. Mm. Um, he could have sort of done a lot better too. I reckon if he had a bit more quality, he was very good. Um, but, yeah, he's great, like especially a lot of them old little remedies and a few different things to try. He's only a phone call away and he mm. comes to races a lot of the time and he's good to have yarn to and talk about the old stories. And uh, he's a massive supporter of us. Like He's helped us out, out through the years a lot and he has all the broodmares and foals at their place and they look after him, knowing him and Leslie. And, um, yeah, no, they're, they're sensational to us, yeah. I imagine Ricky's missing race driving at the moment as the kids grow. Uh, and she's probably keen to give it another crack one day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's a very good driver. Um, they run for her. She she doesn't make too many bad mistakes. Um, she seems to put them in the right spot and doesn't knock them around. Um, she's probably her own worst enemy. She drives a few every now and then, but she's too hard on herself. She sort of it's one of them things, Johnny. As you know, you mm. you got to be doing it all the time to get your eye in and whatnot. And she sort of mm. expects to do that straight away, where it's just not going to happen. So hopefully. Once now the kids are getting a bit easier to handle, we can get her a horse or two of her own and get her eye on the job. But, yeah, I've got all the confidence in the world. If she had the confidence in herself to drive any of mine, she could send them whenever she wants. Now, the two kids you're talking about are Lucy, who's six, and she's a keen participant at the mini trots, and Harry, who is almost four and living in a world of wonderment. <laughs> yeah, he's a little urgent, little Harry. Harry, he... um. <laughs> He's, he's a pretty easy kid to get on with. He's, he's wild, but he's, he's not naughty, and he's just a great little kid. He just pokes along and does his own thing. He's got to introduce himself and yeah. all of us to everyone he walks past. And does he? He's a sweet little kid. Yeah, he's a yeah, dude. Yeah. And um, as wild as a march chair, but then he's got the soft side to him too. And yeah. um, he, he don't mind the horse. He's not scared of him or whatnot, which is a bit of a worry at times. But mm. um, he's happy just running around throwing stones in the water or riding his bike flat out or whatever. But mm. Um, yeah, Lucy, she's sort of taken a shine to the pony. She's got a lovely little pony there and she won a couple of races on her this year and, yeah, I thought it was uh, Natalie Rasmussen coming back to scale on Blacks of Fake there one night at Canberra. She was <laughs> waving to the crowd and Goodness she, she was soaking it in. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, yeah. got as, just as big a buzz as that as I've ever had in the sport. It was great. Yeah. Well, when you're at home, you and Ricky live on a six-acre property at a little place called Gunning, halfway between Goulburn and Canberra directly across the road from the little gunning showground where you have the use of a 600-metre track. Now, what a terrific arrangement. It's, it's literally a private track for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is, John. Yeah, no one else uses it. A couple of mates that live down the road, they might bring one into work every now and then, but it's um, the council have been great to us. They sort of let's have free reign of it and we resurface it and maintain it and whatnot. And we have a, the trots at the show there once a year and all the locals come there. We've got a lot of following in the town, which is great. Um, but, yeah, the, we were looking for a property and I drove past and saw the track and the stables. I didn't even see the house and I said, we'll take it. 
um, been really, really good for us. We can get all these horses going really good on the track. That's good for them. They're happy and nice, good surface. Mm-hmm. Um, we just sort of got a bit big now with all the mares and foals and uh, just trying to handle. Never really had any young horses. We've always been a sort of older horse stable and um, wouldn't mind just getting a little bit bigger property in the same area if we could. Mm-hmm. The kids are happy there at school and just getting a little bit bigger track so we can just gate these babies up a bit easier. We can go to Goulburn anytime we want, but it just – with working and whatnot, it's just a bit harder. You lose half a day doing that. So mm. uh, hopefully we can find the right place soon and that can be us for a while, yeah. Well, it's an idyllic little place, Gunning. It's, there's only one problem, the winter months. <laughs> that is for sure. I've had 30 years in winter like that and got through it easily, but since I've been coming to Queensland, it's ruined me I, <laughs> because of the virus we've been left at home for a bit longer this year. We were usually up here around sort of late May and yeah. It hadn't even been that cold at home, but, yeah, it was knocking me around. I got pretty soft in my old age. Yeah, old age, 36. Yeah. <laughs> now, Dean, let's pay tribute to some of the horses who've kept your name up in lights and helped to pay the bills. What about that remarkable old bloke, Lucky Voodoo? He had an astonishing 234 starts, 27 wins. This is the best bit, 59 placings. Mate, you'd wonder how they can stay sound for that long. Oh, he's a marvel. And he would have kept racing too, John, just this new system to come in. He only won at Manil a couple of starts ago and it put him up to the M2 and up into that higher bracket. And mm. He's a very strong horse. He lacked that real good dash that you need to be competitive with them good horses these days. And mm. he was as sound as a bell. If I lived in Queensland, he'd be still racing now. He, he loved it. Just, yeah, never missed a beat, but it just got to the point where I just wasn't going to – he'd been too good to us. I just didn't want him to be one of them horses that were just going every week to make the numbers up, so we retired him, and he's just out the road. Um, Ricky actually brought him up here last year and showed him, and he mm. won a prize at the Echo. And Did he? Trying to find him a home. Yeah, he'd done a really good job, and Ricky done a good job with him, and yeah, we couldn't find a home with him, and we ended up someone contacted us from Dalton, which is nearly kick a football from Gunning, and that's mm. where he lives now, so he come back with us. And he's a saddle horse. Yeah, they ride him and play around with him a bit. Yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's having a good life, yeah. He deserves it. You had yeah. some fun with a little mare called Far Too Rusty. She'd won five in New Zealand before you purchased her. You won another 12 with her. Yep, she's as tough as they come, Johnny. Um, lovely little better's delight mare. Had a little quirks, but, yeah, she's very tough. Um I think I could have done an even better job with if I knew what I knew now. Obviously, racing a bit more consistent. Menangle, you got to mm. learn your sharpen your tools up a bit, otherwise they get left behind there. And mm. she um, she was always there about good gate speed, just very strong. Um, but yeah, she was a lovely mare too. She won a few up here and whatnot. And um, yeah, the tough and she, she sort of had no luck. She's had all the foals could run a bit. She hasn't thrown a winner yet, but she could have easily been 100% broodmare if things went the right way with a few of them. But Mm. Hopefully they all click one day and they'll win And she can keep doing a good job as a broodmare too You tell me there's a two year old cult uh, In work at Menangle With the Morris stable By Sweet Lou He goes pretty good Yeah, yeah, he's uh, rising too And Robbie bought him for his clients And he was a lovely little cult And um, yeah, all reports so far That he, he's he's going nice So mm. um, yeah, fingers crossed Bernie Hill's got the uh, filly She's a nice filly, she's had a few problems But yeah, they've all shown ability, but just things haven't gone their way. But I'm sure it won't be long before they're all in the winner's circle. I am Boogie, retired last year as a 12-year-old with 18 wins and 33 placings on his CV. 
He was one of your Queensland team last year uh, when he won two races at Albion Park. He's an old marvel and good to see him go out on a winning note. Yeah, he was a lovely old horse, old Boo, and um, Graham, the owner, uh, only got him sort of later on in his life. He'd been looked after pretty well. He's, um, for his age, he hadn't had a lot of racing. Um, just sort of, yeah, just fit in the, the system good at home and appreciated what we'd done with him and he developed some um, real high gate speed towards the end, the last two or three years, and mm. that was his biggest biggest attribute. Like he could get out and he crossed some pretty nice horses in his time. He could really light up when he wanted to and, uh, yeah, done a great job. He's lovely old horse to have around, big, beautiful, big, pretty Westman Grant fella and, um, yeah, we're real proud of him. He was, you know, he's at his place just looking after a few mares and foals and live out a good life. But, yeah, he was a lovely old horse. He had one other rare distinction, I am Boogie. He was the last runner on the track by the former champion, Westburn Grant, who died only two weeks ago at the remarkable age of 34. Yeah, he looked a lot like Dad too. Um, mm. We get on good with Vicky Gale and we used to we go down there a bit when we're up here to say good day and we saw him last year mm. and um, he was still getting around pretty good then, the old fella. And, um, yeah, he's, Gale used to always sort of send us a message when he went good and they were, they were following him pretty well. It was just good to see the old horse, everyone still racing around, going good for him. Mm. Now, last but not least, a horse called The Announcer. This was the horse you thought was the one you'd been waiting for. You've won 11 races with him, but he was a work in progress, wasn't he, for a long time. He was a headache early on. Oh, for sure, John, yeah. Um, he hadn't had a race start when we purchased him. I watched him in a trial one day, and he only ran like a six or a seventh in it, but his sectionals were unbelievable. And a good friend of mine, Mark McNamara, he used to do the wheel and dealing for me, and we got him for the right price. And um, always showed above average ability, but could do a bit wrong. Mm-hmm. Um even towards this year, we sort of still had a fair few troubles with him and he was racing really good, very fast. Um, unbelievable heart rate and recovery rate. Like, so I thought, well, if it's a horse that's as strong as he is and as fast as he is, I think he could be pretty good. And um, He was racing okay, going good. And then a um, uh, good mate of mine, James Retro, and his father mentioned that they had a couple of good cup races down in Tasmania mm. uh, that he'd suit. So we sent him down there and um, – Barry loved him down there. We just had no luck. He ran second in the heat and missed away in a final. And it's just a bit of a horror sort of trip, really. And But when the virus hit, um, was, we sort of decided to bring him back home. But he'd always warm up pretty funny, John. A bit sore. He'd warm out of it fairly quick. And I just thought that was just him. And Barry um, said to me there one day, he said, do me a favour and go and get a bone scan done his horse. I think he's a, a very nice horse, but there's something not right. He shouldn't mm. be like that. So we did that. And... Um, Christine Smith done that, and she actually diagnosed him with a stress fracture of his sacroiliac. Amazing. And yeah, she's only yeah. ever seen one other case in a standard bread before, and mm. um, it could have been a long lingering thing that could have been half his problem most of the time. And uh, she just suggested six months in the paddock, and he should be fine. So um, he looks he looks like a big stallion at the moment. He's big and round. My brother-in-law spelled him and got him looking a million dollars, and uh, pretty excited to get home, to get him back in when his time's up. And mm. if he doesn't improve him, he's still a pretty handy horse. But if he can get to where I think he can get, yeah, he's, he might take the next step. You know, when you look at the action of a pacer and the movement of the hind quarter when they're in full flight, you can understand that there's plenty of pressure on the sacroiliac. There is, John. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, 
because it's a bit rare, um, she said it's a lot more common in jumping horses or uh, even thoroughbreds because they do extend their back, their hind a lot more than the standard breeds. But yeah, it could have been a freakish accident or you would never know. He, um, but anyhow, it was there and we've diagnosed it and hopefully he's right. And yeah, fingers crossed we, we get to see what he can actually do. I mentioned in the intro that you run your own small floor sanding operation. Uh, which you've done for quite a long time now, and it's been pretty good for you. You work largely around the Canberra, Queen Bean area, and there's as much work as you want uh, in all of these housing developments, uh, I can imagine. You restore old floors and you get new floors ready uh, before they're painted, before they're sealed. Uh, so there's a heap of work down your way. Uh, yeah, yeah, usually it's pretty consistent, John. Um Sort of uh, when I was in Canberra and younger, I had to sort of do something and I'd, I'd work for a floor sander and decided to start up my own business down there and try and get somewhere. And um, it was fairly consistent and played out with that and just had one or two horses. And then I'd give that away and went out training full time for a while and uh, just put a bit too much pressure on myself and trying too hard. And uh, the young family come along and just realised it's very hard to make a living out of the industry these days unless you're really big. and um, sort of got back to the floors pretty consistent now and I'm lucky that the it sort of balances itself. The horses earn us a good income plus the floor so you can pick and choose your floors and get the, the better sort of work. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sometimes, as you know, John, you're pulling your hair out all day with a horse. It's good to get away and get not think about them for a while and actually do mm-hmm. something different. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes time for your Queensland sojourn every year, You've got to put the business on hold. Yeah, lucky it's only just me. I don't have any employees. I just do it myself. So we um, go as hard as we can coming up to the time to go to Queensland and get a bit of a bank behind us. And then, um, yeah, we head up and uh, we've got a few clients that we do a fair bit of work for. So usually towards the end of our trip up here, I've got work booked in for when I get home. So that takes the pressure off the horses. I always usually go home and have a bit of a let up mm. and then um, get back into the floors and, get ready for the next year's holiday, hopefully. Well, Dean, this sport has survived many knocks over the years, as we all know, but it survives because of the sheer passion of people like you. The very nucleus of your involvement is a great love of the animal, and I can't see that changing in the near future. No, that's correct, John. Yeah, I've, don't worry. I've, I've thought about it a few times, thinking, why do I do this and uh, financially and whatnot, but... It's, it's entrenched in me now. I love it. I live for it. If I'm not working my own horses, I'm watching American racing and looking up replays and results and whatnot. It's it once it's, it's the greatest sport ever. If we could just make a bit more money out, it would be great to actually do it for a living. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's deeply entrenched in me forever now. I can't see me getting away from it anytime soon. You are a fully qualified trotologist. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's... Oh. <laughs> It's got me. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Great to talk, Dean. Thanks for your time on the podcast, which was produced, of course, by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Harness Racing New South Wales. <laughs>